This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello, and welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford. Thanks for joining us today. This should be a fun one. All-Star break. It's uh, been, I've missed baseball a little bit, and we, we got a little bit of baseball, and we'll be talking to my guest about that. Before I get going, I did want to let everybody know we've got a little bit of a schedule kit change. For those of you who have been used to taking the five podcast pills, it's going to be three going forward. It's going to be the replay of our Sunday waiver wire chat on Monday. It'll be Colin and I on Wednesday. And it'll be DJ Short and Drew Silva, who have been doing this for 84 years, going up on Friday morning. You'll be able to watch those shows on Twitch. You'll be able to watch the replays of those on YouTube. But did want to give everybody a heads up. And I want to thank all of my guests who have come on uh, for these Wednesday night shows that have been posted on Thursday. I've had an absolute blast. Um, Thank you. Let me bring in my guest. He's a very good one. And it's a great last Wednesday show of the year. You've read his stuff and listened to him podcast for also 84 years with NBC Sports and Roto World. 85. Dang it. You know, if you're going to correct me, please welcome Patrick Doherty. Hello. And my <laughs> initial thought was you mentioned the All-Star break and, you know, MLB and always trying to grow the game. They turn the worst three days of the year, the All-Star break, into the worst four days of the year. <laughs> you know, I know we're player positive and we know the players, yeah. like uh, it's the modern era. Sure. They need to be treated like human beings, yeah, but uh, it's some dying yeah. over here. It's a little yeah. rough. We've got we've got six games for those of you who are listening to the podcast form uh, today. I will not be covering any of those games, which is great. I will be on news typing up uh, every single transaction. Um, hopefully no one is going into Toronto because I just don't feel like putting oh 13 players on the restricted list. I felt so bad for George and those guys who had to put all of those guys. I've been really nervous waiting to see which Cardinals are going to go on the restricted list because they're going oh. to Toronto, I think, within like the next week. Okay. Yeah, that's a Oh, yeah. And the, you will see a few. It will be disappointing to you. Pat, the last time I had you on the show, you defended St. Louis pizza without saying you had to defend St. Louis pizza. So I'm going to give you your chance at revenge, I guess I would say. And I'm going to talk to you about Seattle dogs. Have you heard of Seattle dogs? No. And it sounds like instantly one of those local foods that you're glad that you haven't heard of. Okay. Um, okay. I have not heard of that. I mean, do they put... Like, and you know, they take a syringe and they inject water from the Puget Sound into the dog. And, uh, that, actually, that actually sounds pretty good. I would nice, give it some spice, I bet. We take Kirkland Signature water and we just pour it all over the inside. <laughs> no, okay. melted snows from Mount Rainier. <laughs> so here's what, typic- here's what typically goes on a Seattle dog. We've got, usually, it's a hot kielbasa. We like the spicy kielbasa, but you can go, it doesn't really matter in that. Uh, We've got caramelized onions or sautéed onions, either one of those. Good start. We, we often put jalapeno on, which we love. And uh, I know I just butchered the word. I said it as uh, not authentic as possible, but they are delicious. And then we will often put sauerkraut on as well. The key ingredient to the Seattle dog is cream cheese. Mm. Are you eating a Seattle dog? Well, say that's where you talk about St. Louis food. It took a decidedly St. Louis food turn at putting the cream cheese on the hot dog. Like if this is a St. Louis dog, then clearly I would have been eating it my whole life and not known that it was bad. And it would be sliced but, really weird too. Yeah, but the cream cheese, that's like sounds like a pretty quick deal breaker, despite liking cream cheese. 
I cannot, I cannot recommend it enough. It is so good. It is a wonderful food after a night of um, fun. It is a wonderful type of food like that. You will see the just lines of people. Of course, this was pre-pandemic. I don't know if it's as common. Seattle's a, a bit of a trek for me, but it's so good. You don't like just mash the Philadelphia stuff on it. It's usually spread pretty nice on the uh, on the bun. It, it it sounds weird. Yeah, but I mean, again, this was, you, were, you were like along the right path. Like, wow, this actually doesn't sound like some something some drunk person in St. Louis came up with sixty <laughs> years ago. And at the very end, they're like, oh yeah, and then they slather it in cream cheese. Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's, no, never mind. That's the St. Louis food. I will say too, the best one I've had was at a Seattle Kraken game, but it cost fourteen dollars. Fourteen dollars for a hot dog, Pat. Your beloved Kraken. I know you've been a Kraken fan since '69, right? I have. Uh, literally, the this the, no one can accuse me of being a bandwagon fan of the Seattle Kraken and Seattle Dragons. I have been there from minute one, baby. Let's talk about the, the historic All-Star. climate pledge arena. <laughs> climate, dude, it's so nice, but that name is just uh, I mean, you know, it's, heart's it's, in the right place. Yeah, it's heart is right in the right place, but also I think the heart is in the place to say, um, uh, look at what we are doing. Let's talk about the All Star Game, which I had fun watching. And then I had less fun watching, and then I had fun, and then I had less fun. Pat, we uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit over DM. And just to give everybody a little bit of heads up, Pat and I will occasionally DM each other with uh, thoughts on things. No, just occasionally. Just occasionally go on a, a bender. A bender, DMs. yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's nothing that uh, – yeah. Um, what did you think of the coverage DM or two. of this thing? DM or two, yes. I have slid into past DMs a time or two, and he, is, <laughs> he has slid right on back. What did you think of the? What did you think of the game, the All Star game overall? Like, what are your thoughts on how we're going forward with this thing? Well, so I re- recycle a tweet I had. It was the 16th straight year the National League has lost three to two. Um, <laughs> so the National League loses every single year and by a score of three to two. And this time and it counted. You know, I was raised in a city that like that like very much identifies with one of the leagues, you know, which is like very old school. Sure. And like St. Louis is, you know, national league town mm-hmm. through and through. So every year I can actually have a rooting interest and we always lose. Uh, um, but my true thoughts in the game are like I hate so like I'm as you know, like I'm although I work in the football industry, you know, I'm a diet in the wool, like hardcore baseball fan mm-hmm. have been my entire life. The all-star game has been like appointment viewing for most of my life. And sure. this year quite was literally maybe the first year where I was kind of like, why am I even watching this? <laughs> like it just, it is losing meaning. To, and I don't really know why. I mean, it, we're back in another cycle of like a lot of opt outs, you know, like sure. the rosters are not as strong as they have been the past 10 or 15, but you know, was becoming a problem like 15, 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, the opt-out was why they made it count. And boy, did it sure count with the Cardinals <laughs> having to go on the road for the World Series every <laughs> even though they won seven more games than the 2004 Boston Red Sox. We had to open That's the series. Right. Oh. And so now the opt-outs are kind of getting – and then, you know, it's really highlighting like maybe like the biggest problem with the I – mean, problem, quote-unquote, the game. We're like, well, great, just nine different pitchers throwing – unhittable sliders for an inning and there being no <laughs> offense and yeah just i'm just not definitely not in love with the all-star game product right now and i mean it's an exhibition game sure it's, we don't have to be in love with it but i always was great it just yeah it's kind of lacking the pizzazz right now and i don't know how to fix it so we're of a similar age i'm a little bit older than you i believe but we're we're pretty close we both TGIF was something that actually meant oh, yeah. something when we Big were growing time. up. Like, Especially this is, if you didn't have cable like me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't have cable for a very long time. I mean, I remember when the Disney Channel, the free preview, I mean, that was like you scheduled everything around that. That's, I mean, <laughs> that is just how much times have changed now. But the All-Star Game used to be a huge deal to me as a kid because this was the chance to watch national league players play on television. Well, like, so I didn't as, even get into that. Like how old we were like, there's another. Yes. Yeah. A, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the thing though. I there, as a kid, that was my only chance to really watch Barry bonds or to watch Barry Larkin or anybody, any of the berries, anybody. Yeah, to me, yeah. Like Randy yeah. Johnson was like the Loch Ness monster, basically. Yeah. If you're in a yeah. national league city, you just weren't going to see that. And, 
while I get why interleague play exists, it has kind of taken away the the excitement of the all-star game of me being like, wow, this is my first chance to look at, see what uh, Devin Williams is throwing, like to actually look at that airbender change or actually take a look at the batting stance of Juan Soto and watching him track all that stuff. I get to see it every single day. And part of that is because of my job too. Like there's no doubt that you become jaded covering baseball every single day of your life. And I will say this too. I think this is a great time to do experiments. Like if you're going to have a pitcher having a conversation with his catcher in the middle of a game, do it in an exhibition game. That doesn't mean it always works. Like the Jose Trevino was outstanding at the end of that conversation. The Nestor Cortez stuff was unwatchable, Pat. It yeah, was here, unwatchable. Chris, real quick. No, this is how Nestor, <laughs> I'm going to do how Nestor Cortez was talking. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, down. And Joe Davis be like, yeah, well, yeah, Nestor. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he did, it was not. So I tweeted at the beginning the Alec Manoa inning, like, this isn't exactly riveting television. And by the end of the inning, I'm like, okay, actually, that was kind of riveting sure. television. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. then I was like, man, because I tweeted it wasn't riveting. And then by the end of the inning, I felt like totally exposed. Like, oh, that was a horrible take. It and then the happened. Nestor Cortez inning happened, like, oh, never mind. Yeah, absolutely. And Nestor, I felt kind of dumb, stupid because the Nestor stuff was bad. The, when it was just Jose Trevino talking, I mean, it was great television. That is something that they should absolutely do. Do not do this in the postseason. Do no. not do this in a regular season game that means something because you're, first of all, probably not going to get anyone to agree to do it anyway. But it's the Ramon Lariano stuff is what I come back to. Like watching that postseason game of him doing that interview while all of that stuff was going on. It was just awkward, and I don't like listening to heavy breathing uh, from the baseball players. It makes me feel yeah. like if he's heavy breathing, I mean, I would literally have a heart attack. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Alec, <laughs> while being highly entertaining, I was like, yeah, yeah, but it's a, he sounds exhausted. <laughs> he's yes. exerting himself for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about the home run derby then, real quick. I had a lot of fun watching it. Did you watch the home run derby? I did, and so like the home run derby, I like never watched growing up because again, I didn't have cable. Sure. So I never became like a home run derby partisan. And yeah, there's been very few, even you know, I've had cable now and not to brag, but I've had cable for 17 years now hey, uh, since 2005. That. And I'd probably never watched a home run derby um, from beginning to end. And this year in St. Louis, the Albert pools factor played a part. It also played a part because my friend couldn't come over for the game. So he came over for the derby instead, but sure. I watched the derby and I will say, so just real quick to tie like everything together. You know, like a lot of like the all-star game experiments and the other leagues. I'm like, well, this is the dumbest thing ever. Like why is Chris Carter and Randy Moss just drafting people in like the orange team and the neon green? Like I could not care any less about this. If I tried, it's like, I wanted baseball to avoid that forever, but it certainly feels like where the, where baseball needs to experiment with the game itself and the experiments with the Derby, I think have been very positive. Sure. I feel like this format is so much better then, you know, Sammy Sosa taking nine straight pitches because yeah. he doesn't want to risk an out. And this format is much, much better, I think. I agree. But I will say this. The bad part about this format, and I was talking about this with Colin yesterday, it's they've got to improve the tracking. It is yeah, yeah. so hard to tell what is it isn't. It's, some of it's obvious. Like, you know, you see the we can judge enough the ball off the bat. But I think this one's an easy fix, and I'll ask if you agree with me. First of all, you go aerial view. You take the the all oh, 22 baseball version of it, and you get to watch that actually happening. I know you want to see the close-up of the player, especially when you got somebody as good-looking as, like, Julio Rodriguez and stuff like that. You know, like, of course you picked the Mariner. Yeah, of course I picked the Mariner, my sweet, sweet Julio. But any of those guys, like, you know, I get that you want the, the FaceTime with that type of stuff, but the better view is the aerial view. The second thing you do is you don't have announcers and you make the PA guy announce what's going on. And you mm. that way you can actually tell what home run total it is because the home run tracker 
is always off. Imagine if you play, were doing a football game, Pat, and all of a sudden the 17-13 score became 27-20 like a minute and a half later. Oh, by the way, we we just have, we forgot to count the touchdowns and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it was uh, like the counters in the end. It was like the absentee votes coming in. Like, <laughs> oh, wow, he had 19. I thought he had 13. Yeah. And, uh, it's, I just think, look, uh, there's – there's I don't see the purpose of what the announcer is bringing to this. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many times can you really talk about, boy, he really hit that one. Great. <laughs> It'd be like live tweeting Homer, 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 not Homer, not Homer, 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 Homer. I think if you have a really personable PA guy who can kind of hype man this thing up a little bit, I would much rather have that guy telling me what's going on than the announcer. I'll say the only thing worse than an announcer, though, is a PA guy. Okay. (laughs) Most stadium PA guys like, well, never want to hear this guy again as long as I live. That's fair. Um, I mean, they are – it's not quite the um, qualification thing that you get from being like the NBC head play-by-play guy or something like that. You know what I mean? But I just – like I think the Home Run Derby is on such a right track but there's just a couple little things they got. They've definitely found the right format. Yeah. They haven't found the right quite production. That is, yes, it is very mad because ESPN is kind of between a rock and a hard place. Cause you do want to see the swing, but Mm -hmm. then you really want to see the landing. And so they're stuck with the split screen, but yeah, I mean, there are so many times where like, and again, you, you and I have watched thousands of baseball games. So we're pretty adept at identifying, you know, what kind of trajectory is usually going to be a home run. Right. But still during the entire home run derby, like maybe this is yeah. a home run. Like, that's, uh, that's the thing. It's especially nowadays where they're hitting the ball. I used to laugh at this, that hitting a ball too hard for it to be a home run. Some of these guys are literally hitting the baseball too hard for being a home run. I think it's on the right track. Uh, but the big thing is we've just got to get the celebrity softball game live. I mean, that's what we're all tuning in to see. If I can't see Jake Paul fielding ground balls at shortstop, what are we doing? It's been relegated off ESPN, too. Now, no offense to MLB Network, which I love. Yeah, sure. Now it's on MLB Network, too. The ESPN, they had to cut to a Jeter doc Look, instead of showing the celebrity softball game replay. I mean, why aren't we getting this on Peacock, man? Why are we point. not? I mean, look, and I loved – the futures game. I one quick question before we move on to your St. Louis Cardinals. Were those the ugliest uniforms of all time in the futures game? They were. And so like uh, they were awful. And like, why were the futures game uniforms? The real all-star game uniform should have just been the futures league uniform. Cause the thing is I'm definitely old school and that I love the players wearing their normal uniforms in the all-star game, but I did. I, if they were going to be these, you know, I actually did like the uniforms they wore, but I still just vastly prefer them wearing their real uniforms. A hundred percent. But they were good, like league uniforms. They should have yeah. slapped them on uh, the futures. And the futures, I mean, my, my God. Oh <laughs> you know, my gosh, like, dude. What was, it, the, what even was that? It made me appreciate how good the Diamondback City Connect jerseys are because (laughs) that's what going for it and being good looks like. And I'll give them credit for trying something, but multiple people had to approve that uniform, Patrick. And multiple people should have said, oh, yeah. Speaking of uniforms and City Connect, the Astros City Connect uniforms – that's gonna be a no for me, dog. Yeah, that's not, <laughs> I, those are not my favorite either. I mean, maybe the single worst baseball uniform I've ever seen. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be honest. It's it's fair. I will say that you and I differ greatly on the City Connect jerseys of the Washington Nationals. I think those are fantastic. I mean, they're fine, like conceptually. Like the artist did a good job as like a yeah. uniform. I think yeah. it's, they're just like absolutely atrocious. Like, uh, just, it's, it's, it's not a baseball uniform. It's, like it's an art project. I want to. I want to say stick to football so bad. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, look, it's. And they're so I good that it. they got to trade their best player now. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Before we get into the Cardinals, I wanted to ask you this, and I forgot. You should probably write what you're going to talk down. Well, I don't have to really do it anymore because I'm not hosting podcasts on Wednesdays anymore. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> you can have Juan Soto play for any other team. Can't be the Cardinals. Who do you want Juan Soto to play for? So non-card. So by the way, the same team is failing to re-sign Bryce Harper. 
Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, and Juan Soto, huh? And Max Scherzer, uh, by the way, too. I mean, Max Scherzer at least, like, yeah, like was like a contract. He, he at least played out his contract almost. With and team. he's like 106 years old. Yeah, that one so, like, uh, kind of made sense. But. but the other guys were entering their prime and are now going to leave. And even Rendon, I mean, the Rendon deal has, of course, been bad. But if you have right. a talent like Anthony Rendon, Process. and also to my, my rant that I'm sure you'll agree with, it's like, what's exactly is going on with modern baseball when the New York Yankees are, you know, probably not going to sign, resign Aaron judge, the Red Sox trade Mookie. Like if you can't, if you own the Boston Red Sox and you can't resign Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, and Raphael Devers, maybe you shouldn't own the team. Like it's it's, heartbreaking. How is this supposed to help the game too? Like the signature franchise is not keeping their signature player. It's a total disaster. Look, I get, people who hate the Yankees and hate the Dodgers and hate all of these big market teams. But let's be honest, we're you love to hate them. And it is so much better of a sport when those guys are good. I'm sorry. I love seeing Milwaukee being a contender. I love seeing, yeah, you know, they, oh, oh, well, well, we can talk Milwaukee's about that. Bad. Yeah, that one's not good. But baseball is better when the bad, big baddies are good. It's just better. The New York Yankees, when they are good, it's the best thing for baseball. The Los Angeles Dodgers being great, good at baseball is great. The Boston Red Sox being great, good at baseball is great. Now answer my damn question. Where do you want Juan Soto to play? <laughs> I think for some reason in my head, like I, I've always kind of wanted the Marlins. It's like the Marlins to me are like the sleeping giant yes. franchise of Major League Baseball. Like yes. you mean, Miami is a baseball mecca. We of course know it's a very like multicultural baseball mecca. Juan Soto would be amazing for the market, but like, I also don't, there's still just a Mickey mouse franchise. And like, I feel like they're like a, an organization that could just really use an identity change. Sure. Like a total makeover. And so I've thought about the Marlins. Like, I don't want them to go languish there. I mean, the Yankees, the Dodgers, I still, I don't, I don't want them to go to the Yankees or the Dodgers. Uh, <laughs> I hear you. Man. I'll say that the San Francisco giants, I feel they like it'd be kind of cool. They make a ton of sense. You know, they've kind of done like the it's a rebuild slash reload. I don't like the one year contract approach the past few years, but it'd be great to kind of see them like, Mm -hmm. you know, reemerging and getting like a cornerstone talent and, you know, really like invigorate the Dodgers giants, right? Not that it needs to be invigorated. Sure. I I thought the giants would be a really cool location. Uh, For some reason I was thinking of the Marlins today. I was just like, Talk about like a franchise like needs a culture oh, change. A hundred percent. And also, can you imagine Juan Soto and Jazz Chisholm over the next like no. 10 years? Oh how my much gosh. No. fun that would be? I mean, that would just be an absolute blast. Selfishly, I will say I think the Seattle Mariners would be great and also make sense. They, they do make sense. They actually yeah. do like it's yeah. not even a homer. Like the Mariners yeah. actually do make sense. They do make sense. Uh, honestly, the Cardinals would make a little bit of sense as well. They have some young outfield depth that should be of interest and stuff. But that pizza just sounds so gross. I can't. I can't do, I'm just kidding. Do you, um, what, what do you think about the Cardinals and Juan Soto? Like, are they actually positioned like in a like to be making like a, you know, like betting like they have like a five year core in place? Sure. Or are the Cardinals? Or do they not have enough pitching depth where it'd be kind of a mistake to like go all in right now? I can't decide if the Cardinals you, are truly positioned to do something like this. You can't just do Juan Soto. It can't be like. Look, the thing about Juan Soto is I, I keep seeing people talk about him like he's this rental. He's a 23-year-old who you get a half season of this year, a full season of 2024, and a full season of 2025. And he is literally the type of player that takes your window and makes it so much wider because he is that good of an offensive player. So no, the Cardinals pitching depth isn't exactly outstanding, and you'd have to make other moves. But because you have outfielders like Dylan Carlson would be an outstanding start to a trade like that. Dylan Carlson's a nice player, but I keep going back. Need to, him to hit more home runs. Yeah. Play. And I keep, and I keep going back to the, uh, the family guy thing of a boat is a boat, but the mystery box can be anything. It could even be a boat. <laughs> a Juan Soto is a Juan Soto, but a mystery box can be anything. It can even be a Juan Soto. Like, what are we doing, people? I if know. you can get Juan Soto, there should be no untouchables. Uh, my buddy Chad, who uh, – thank you again for the question, buddy. J-Rod for Soto, do you take it, Chris? 
The only reason I don't take it, it's not that because you're a homer, think, it's fine. It's because I'm just a big homer, and I, I will replace this Griffey jersey in the background <laughs> with a 44 someday. No, the problem is is that you're taking a step forward to take a step back because yeah, you've replaced, you've gotten your middle of the order hitter, and now your outfield stinks again. So it doesn't really if this was the start of the 2024 season, then or the 2023 season, excuse me. Yeah, I would do Julio Rodriguez for Juan Soto because Juan Soto is better than Julio Rodriguez. To answer the question for me, though, I've answered this a few times just because I'm fascinated by it. I would love to see Juan Soto on the Minnesota Twins. I think him next to Byron Buxton would be one of the funnest outfields that you can have. And you know what? The Minnesota Twins have the best uniforms in sport. And getting to watch Juan Soto get to wear all of those uniforms would be delightful. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Weekends are better with a good thing that we like to call MLB Sunday leadoff. Coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Cubs. Take on the Phillies in Philadelphia on Sunday, July 24th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. Pat, you're not eligible. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I eligible sorry. for a Soto? Tri- I have just have overflowing thoughts. And <laughs> like the Cardinals, you know, we've become one of those fan bases that are like so addicted to prospects always. And like, oh, it's really everybody. Man. Jordan Walker and Mason it's, Wynn. It's and... everybody has become addicted. And I blame myself. Yeah, it's true. Because, yeah, I'm glad to hear you say people in football, it's a huge prop football too. Sure. Like I'm always teams need to trade picks way yeah. more than they do because oh. you you take proven talent over projected yeah. talent ten yeah. times ten. The yeah. only difference between baseball and football in that regard is that because football does have the salary cap, you can argue that the thirteenth pick in the draft has more value than sometimes the superstar. You know what I mean? Or the first pick in the draft. It is a different calculus. It, it is, is a, a di- it, it, there is something that you have to keep in mind here. In baseball, when there is literally no salary cap and it's just billionaires not wanting to spend more money, completely different thing. Let's talk about this Cardinals team. Uh, I believe the last time I checked, they're 15-44, second place in the a- NL Central. I mean- <laughs> no, they don't. They don't, but they, it's been – you know, every it's baseball – It's been a really up-and-down year, hasn't it? And part of being a baseball fan is even if it's like the Yankees you know, like or the Dodgers like twice a year, like I just hate this team. <laughs> So the Cardinals have been in a hate this team phase for a couple of weeks. It's, I mean, I look at it and it's, I think they're better than their record suggests, but I also think they're worse. For instance, Paul Goldschmidt can't keep doing this, man. I, I know how good Paul Goldschmidt has been. He cannot be the best fantasy player in baseball all year. Having said that, you know, I expect some guys like I do expect guys like Dylan Carlson to be better in the second half of the season and start hitting for more power. Um, Tyler O'Neill, who 
I will admit was on my do not draft list for our magazine, and I am uh, not regretting that decision. I think he's better than what he's been. I think Nolan Gorman is going to show more consistency going forward. I think it's a playoff team. Do you think they can win the Central? I think so, just because the Brewers' offense is just oh, still so, so underwhelming. The Brewers' offense has been, like I think, a little better than last year. Mm-hmm. But, like, it kind of comes down to, like, what's a bigger weakness to me, like the Brewers' offense or the Cardinals' pitching? Sure. The Cardinals' pitching, it, clearly the Cardinals' entire plan was, like, Jack Flaherty has to stay healthy. Yeah. And it's a pretty, pretty okay pitching staff if Jack Flaherty stays healthy. 100%. And they put every egg in that basket. And uh, hasn't stayed healthy. No. Uh, not even remotely. And Tyler O'Neill too. Like a big part of the plan on offense was, well, Tyler O'Neill can't regress. This needs to be who Tyler O'Neill is. Yeah. And he's kind of regressed. He's kind yeah. of had the injury. Pro- he has a lot of fluky injuries. He um, does. He's kind of Buxton light. He's, he's the Canadian uh, muscle build, Byron <laughs> Buxton. The Canadian Buxton. And it's they, they have just like – they were like kind of the classic roster like – this is like a pretty formid- formid- formidable, formidable, formidable roster. If yeah. they can have one of those years, yeah. Every once in a while, a team just has a really healthy year. Mm-hmm. This was like classic Cardinals. Like if this roster just happens to have a really healthy year, like it's a fairly elite roster, and they just haven't had anything close to a healthy year because it's baseball, it's sports, and I don't know. I, I do think they can win the Central though. Cause the Brewers are not exactly a Death Star, no. and I just like that, that pitching staff too. I feel like kind of like li- living on borrowed time but they've had really good health for a really long time with that staff sure. the brewers staff like and i don't know but like too if both teams like kind of stayed on there if the brewers pitching staff like stays pretty healthy i think it'll be pretty hard for the cardinals but um i i don't i don't think i think i would i be surprised if they won the division the cardinals absolutely not it's no. a pretty okay team and like they're the classic like two or three breaks they could pretty easily win the division I will say this too about the Brewers. They have, I mean, they always operate as a small market team for reasons that I don't feel like really getting into yeah. too much. I mean, they should be spending more money. They have an excellent farm system right now of guys that they could move for a big time bat. Like they should be all over. If they're not going to get into the Juan Soto stuff, they should be all over Josh Bell. Josh Bell makes perfect sense I mean, he's like a born um, brewer that is yeah very brewer <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i think he would be and it wouldn't cost them you know some of their i mean it would cost them probably one of their better outfield prospects they are absolutely loaded with outfield prospects jackson churio by the way if you're playing in a dynasty league absolutely go get that guy right now he has a chance to be a superstar but is yeah that, i would i'm bad again um, Jackson Churio, go ahead and write writing, that one. Writing that down on my palm. Okay. Put that down in your Newton, and we can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would guess that the Brewers win this thing just because I think, I think they're just a little bit more complete roster because of the pitching. They're a little more complete, and yeah, yeah, they they too usually will make. They're good at making the moves to like shore up the roster yes. too. I think they'll add like one or two competent bat, maybe really good platoon bats. Yeah, like even if they add two good platoon bats, that's like a pretty big upgrade for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I have, I do think, yeah, they, the Brewers need less tweaking, I feel like, than the Cardinals do. Absolutely. So let's talk about, um, we've, we've spent enough time in this city of St. Louis. Let's talk about some <laughs> fantasy options for the Real, real the quick, year. Chris, can I yeah. ask you one question about oh, the Cardinals? You, you better believe you can. Is, is my perception correct? For several years, you know, the Cardinals were one of those teams where, like, every year they just churned out two or three, like, major league ready starting pitchers. Like everyone in St. Louis, like it's a no, we never have good position player prospects. Like every position player is like John Jay, or like they're totally fine major league players. Yeah. Like there was always this consternation amongst the fan base. We produced so many pitching prospects and not of hitting prospects. Now and now it feels like it's like flipped. Is, is yes. my perception correct? No, that that's absolutely a hundred percent it. I mean, there are some underrated arms in the St. Louis system. You know, a couple of guys like I still think Matthew Libertor has a chance to be a solid starter. We can really, um, really. I just said we. Uh, yeah, Matthew, yeah, if you're okay. listening, we can yeah. really use you in the second it, half. Yes, Tink Hence, which is one of my favorite names, has been absolutely sensational. Way too old for the level that he's playing at right now. A guy whose name that I always struggle to pronounce. And uh, Gordon Grasifo is one of the more underrated <laughs> prospects. I think he could be a guy that could develop. But this is about the hitting prospects. Like, Jordan Walker has a chance to be a star. Like, the 
The what, upside. What's your superstar comp for him? Oh boy, boy, that's a tough I'll have one. To put you he's on a, the spot, no, but... you did put me on the spot, and I'm really upset about it. The <laughs> you're talking about a guy with 60 hits, 70 power. I mean, there are just so few type of athletes like this, and the fact that he's 20 and playing in Double A, I'll just give you that he can be a guy who can hit 300, hit 35 home runs, drive in 115 runs if he gets the opportunity with guys on base, and also steal 10 to 15 bases. Like, he has a chance to be a – Yeah, I mean, K, yeah, that's – with the ability to play third base. Now, I would guess that he ends up making a move somewhere else because he's six foot five, 220 pounds, and he's going to get bigger. I would guess that he either moves to first base or you put him in the corner outfield, and I think he would be fine there. But there is superstar potential in this guy. I mean, it would be really hard for me to trade this dude. There are guys like Mason Wynn is somebody who I really like as well, but I think is, you know, probably closer to a really good regular than a future star, but a type of player who probably could go play shortstop for somebody next year. That would be somebody I think you could move. Joshua Baez, uh, Yvonne Herrera is the catcher of the future. Of course, Yadi Molina is going to play until 2286. So there's no <laughs> point in having a catcher of the future. It's a good system, but there is no question that the bats are better right now. So I asked Pat to come up with some names um, that are kind of under rostered that we're going to do a help me help you with that thing. We are <laughs> going to talk about some guys that are kind of, you know, either underappreciated or haven't been good or some combination of both. We're not going to talk about whether or not we think that um, uh, Juan Soto can be good in the second half of the season or anything like that. We're going to talk about some undervalued guys and I'm going to let Pat sort of bring up names and I'll tell him whether he's uh, right or wrong to bring them up. Well, yeah, a lot of these names are people. So my fantasy team, I've been just destroyed by injuries. Oh, it's been a all three of my keepers, in my home league, Brian Reynolds, (laughs) Wander Franco, Ozzy Albi is currently on the injured list. That's a tough one. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg. And mm-hmm. I, I have my team very, very down bad for power. I will and say it's a little funny, Brian Reynolds, because you made fun of this guy so much in the past. And now it's one of the key parts of your organization. Well, but, yeah, oh. I mean, we, we like Brian Reynolds, folks. We like um, Brian Reynolds, folks. But uh, future Dodger Brian Reynolds, too soon. Future Dodger? Yeah. Oh, psh, nope. It wouldn't shock me at all. Brian Reynolds and Luis Castillo was starting to get fitted for their Dodger. <laughs> um, they did. So, but Luis like, I. Even less Los Angeles yet. I'm like cycling through into the roster guys like crazy. You're trying to find lightning in a bottle, like someone who might catch fire in the second half. And like one guy I feel like I should probably drop. He's only like three or 4% owned on Yahoo, or excuse me, rostered on Yahoo. Yes. Edward Oliveris, who the Royals seem to just hate. Yeah. And he's kind of a mistake prone player. But, like, do you see what kind of second half do you envision for Edward Olivares? So yeah, this, I know he's old at this point for a prospect. Yeah. Um, but I feel like he is a good major league player. And, like, will he get enough playing time, et cetera, et cetera, to contribute to my team in the second I half? mean, I'm glad you brought it up. I don't think – I think Kansas City – I mean, Edward Olivares must have cut Dayton Moore off in like a Wawa. In like See, they do not him. like him. They just must not because the talent's all here, folks. I mean, this is a guy who has in the 91st percentile in sprint speed um, in his chance to play. His exit velocities have been excellent. He in three, 109 plate appearances, 303, 358, 434. Now, the power has kind of started to dip a little bit as he does get a few more plate appearances. I have no doubt about this guy's power. Six foot two, 190, plenty of bat speed. I think he can be, if he's an everyday player, 15 to 20 homer type of guy. He's more of that type of guy, if we were talking about DFS stuff, when he's up against a left-handed pitcher, that's the type of guy that I want in my lineup. I just don't think he's going to get enough run unless Kansas City makes, and it, it's been talked about. There are some guys on that or in that organization who are going to be available. Getting traded to the Blue Jays. Getting traded. Yeah, that'll be Whit Merrifield being in Toronto would be a very interesting thing. Justin Trudeau Uh, welcoming them with open arms to the Rogers Center. Open arms with a needle in each. (laughs) Um, I I, I like Edward Olivares, but because of the fact that I just cannot guarantee the playing time for this guy right now, it's a little more risk than reward. Do you think he's a drop? I mean, it's a 12 team mixed league. Yeah. and uh, how many bench spots? Um, six. 
I might be hanging on to him in a six. If it was three or four, it's tough. It's really tough here. And it's worth pointing out that he got off to a great start and the numbers haven't been quite as good at this point. But I think if you can add somebody, like who would you be dropping Edward Oliveras for? I, well, man, there's so many people. I mean, like I'm, I keep <laughs> cycling through like Edward Oliveira. Dylan Carlson is like getting recycled over and over again. I'd Juan Yepes is currently available. Juan uh, Yepes, I'd also rather have than Edward Oliveira. You, so you'd rather have both Carlson and Edward and uh, and Yepes than Edward Oliveira. I feel like I have to. I, I would. Them. I would. Yeah. I mean, if if those are the type of guys that you're talking about available, especially yeah, if they need I power, would. I feel like Yepes. Like, yes. He's been very streaky. But. Yep, I'm, I'm not saying Nopez to Yepes. I am. <laughs> I just love this guy's bat. And again, a little bit of question mark about playing time. You've you've probably seen it. He's not been necessarily the same type of everyday lineup guy. The one thing that concerns me here about Juan Yepes, and it's easy to rely on baseball savant. His chase rate is so bad, like so so bad in the bottom eighth percentile and you know he's a good bad ball hitter but that's the reason why this expected batting average of 14 the 14th percentile is legitimate because as much as he can make hard contact and as much as like he can just drive the baseball his approach at the plate for lack of a better term sucks yeah i mean yeah the obp is under 300 too yeah yeah, and uh, but yeah, you're right. When he gets the head of the bat on the ball, oh. he drives it. And I love him long term. I think that this is going to be a guy who can be a middle of the order hitter. It's worth pointing out he's only 24 years old. It seems like Juan Yepes has been in the Cardinal system since like like when he was playing with like Mike D. Felice and people like that. It's like true. He, Tom Pagnazzi was like a teammate of Juan Yepes. He's part of the Gary like, Gaetti trade. He's part of the um, Gary Gaetti trade with uh, Oliveras and guys like that. I mean, that's just. Uh, not the uh, wait. Do I have that name right? The left-handed pitcher, Oliveras, Omar Oliveras. Is that? Am I getting that? Sure, Whatever. Actually. I'm. I'm so old. It doesn't matter. Everybody <laughs> is kind of just blurred together. But yeah, Juan Yepes is a guy I really like long term, and I think he's going to get enough run and run into enough fastballs that I'd roster him over Edward Oliveras. Should I keep Jaron Duran? Yes. Yes. Not and, to, should I keep him on the roster for the second half of the season? Yes. I'm still keeping Jaron. He's really Brand. been struggling. He has really enough. been struggling as of late. I mean, his contact issues, again, are showing up. I just think his chance to hit for average and power. I know he's only had the one home run so far. He's so much stronger than that and has so much more real-life power than that. And I love the fact that he's stolen seven bases as the well. The steals are why like, I feel like I can't quit him because like, he's yes. Yeah, and long term, I again similar to Yepes, only take it up like three or four degrees. Like Jaron Duran has a chance to be an absolute fantasy superstar someday. Like the talent is. He couldn't even. There. I feel like in the second half of this season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I I just think you have to remember that this is a 25 year old playing in his second professional season, really his first full professional season. Didn't get enough run. To, it's funny that he basically just barely didn't qualify to be a rookie after like that. He got one at bat too many after he got his second call up. I can no longer call him a prospect when he got sent down, which is always weird to me. But I think Jaron Duran is a guy who is going to have a very strong second half of the season. And I love, love, love that Boston lineup. And by the way, I've got, I've got two thoughts here. You have me almost wanting during the pod to go to my league and, and be dropping Oliveira, Oliveira's for uh, for Juan Yepes right now. Like, yeah, I've been, I need to do that, especially because <laughs> I need power. And a joke I had been dying to make to you the entire, you mentioned like how uh, Jaron Duran should have more homers for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. It'd be nice if Xander Bogart stopped being Nick Marcakis. <laughs> that would be nice. It uh, would be nice. I've, been, I've become been. obsessed with this joke. But, yeah. like, he is Nick Markakis this year. I need you to homer, Xander. Please uh, homer. It's, it has been a little bit frustrating. Like, he's got – I think he's got a bunch of doubles this year, which has kind of helped yeah, the study. Those don't do me any good. But <laughs> you need you need the ball you to You also had a lot of doubles with Nick Markakis. <laughs> Nick Markakis did have a lot of doubles. It's worth pointing out that one plays a little bit different premium position yeah, than I'm the not, other one. I'm not paying one. any attention to that. No. But – at shortstop, it's it's nice, but I will say this: sure, he's, he's winning this, the batting title. Yeah, quote unquote, he's got too, he's but, got um, he's got seven homers this year. I will bet that he finishes the year with twenty two. 
And this is this is someone I'm not considering dropping. No. But can I? No, sorry, not Xander. I no, mean, okay. The next, yeah, like, the yeah. next player. <laughs> yeah. This is not someone I'm considering dropping. But what can you say about Kybert Ruiz for the second half of the season? So, so if Kybert Ruiz played any other position, I would be talking to you about finding somebody else. But he's a catcher. Catcher is beyond brutal this year. Worse than ever. Is, like not even I, close. It's got a really nice long-term chance. Like the position is as loaded with prospects, even with Adley Rutschman no longer counting as a prospect. And I think he might still have, no, I don't think he does have eligibility, but I, I don't consider him one because he's played way too much. His metrics are so weird. This is a guy who is whiffing in the bottom or in the top 92nd percentile. His strikeout percentage is in the 96th percentile and his expected batting average is in the 86th percentile but he's making no hard contact. He's in the 12th percentile. He's only barreling in the baseball in the 12th percentile. His sprint speed means he's not ever going to be. It's kind of Dylan Carlson disease. Yeah, a little bit. And here's what I'll say though. I think that we have seen him as a 24 year old have a lot of bitter with the better. I would guess on better in the second half. Like I still think he's a catcher one. I still think he's one of the top dozen options. Is that damning with Frank praise, faint praise a little bit? Yeah, it is. But I still think I can't imagine like who would be a catcher that you would be considering over him. No, I mean yeah, there's like literally no one. No, it's and it's a it's a terrible position. And I'm falling back on like the really really old school thinking like this dude has three home runs. I mean he's due for ten in the second yeah. half. Because sure, there's no way guess... Kyber Reese is going to finish the year with under ten home runs. Right? No, he'll he'll start driving. <laughs> I mean he right? needs to start barreling the baseball <laughs> up quite a bit more. His expected slugging percentage is in the 49th percentile, so it, he probably deserves like six or seven at this point compared to the three that he's hit. But yeah, there's there's I mean the catcher position. I'm telling you guys, as good as the position has a chance to be. If anybody's playing it in no catcher league, sign me up. I would love I to play in your league. Please let me know. And this is coming the, in... the kickers of um, baseball. Are you a, a no kicker guy for uh, fantasy football? Frankly, if I could choose, I would keep them. I would. Interesting. Keep them. Tell me um, why. Cause I don't mind adding a little like variance. I don't think it's, it's quite as unpredictable as people make it out to be either. Okay. Like, I think that it's actually fairly predictable. Maybe not right. on a season to season basis, Sure. Maybe early in the season, you might have bad kicker information if you don't really know how a team is playing, right? Like, uh, how good the offense like truly is. Yeah, but, like, I think it's more predictable than it's like made out to be. And uh, I don't know, I mean, I think it's kind of fun. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't weep when there are no kickers, I will put it that way. If I'm constructing league specs, I keep the kicker in still. Where are you? And we'll just lead this into fantasy football stuff because there's no way in heck I'm not going to talk. I got to ask it. you one more player before we do Okay, that. please do. Please do. D- David Peterson, New York Mets. Uh, See what the kind of second half do we envision? I think that if he's in the rotation. Hey, can he even keep his rotation good. spot? That was going to be the first That's question. the problem here is that like there are a bunch of arms now that I think are actually going to be ahead. However... I don't know if you guys saw the news about Jacob Degrom dealing with tightness. Are you? See- I actually did. I didn't see that. Yikes! And he's uh, he had his uh, next appearance moved back. That is something that you're just going to have to be cognizant of. I mean, you're still rostering Jacob Degrom. I mean, they could say that Jacob Degrom is only going to pitch in the final game of the year, and I'd still maybe consider <laughs> rostering Jacob Degrom start. because because I'd want him for that one start. But that is something to keep in mind. If David Peters is in the rotation, I like him. He's missing bats a lot more than I expected him to be. Um, and he's always been a guy who's had pretty solid command. Not always great control, but solid command. And there is a difference between the two. I could go over that in another hour-long podcast if you <laughs> wanted me to. But there, he does usually hit his spots with his stuff. I like him. He's certainly, if he's making starts, I want him on my roster. I just think you have to be prepared to drop him. Okay, you cannot keep me from talking about right, fantasy sorry. football. Bet. I just finished my Scott Fishbowl draft. I was super excited about it until I, instead of drafting Kenny Pickett in the 19th round, I drafted Calvin Ridley, and I'm absolutely furious oh, about no. it. I don't know how that <laughs> happened, but I have Calvin Ridley on my roster. That's not going to work out. Pat, this seems like a year where the number one pick is more open than most. Would you agree with that? Well, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is probably going to be close to a consensus number one, but it is true. Like that if you, if you, if you don't believe in Jonathan Taylor, like the alternatives are more open than ever. There you go. That's a well, because 
if you're not sold on Jonathan Taylor, it's like you're it's Christian McCaffrey and his injury issues. It's like you're not considering Austin Eckler at number one. You know, no. are you considering Cooper Cup just had probably the second or third greatest receiving season of all time, but before last year, he was like a 28 year old who had exceeded 1,100 yards. One just to interrupt you real quick, Cooper Cup is currently being interviewed on the SP's countdown. Uh, <laughs> there you, there you go. So, so yeah, his Cooper beard Cup. looks absolutely terrible. I, I, listen, we can't cast stone, but like the beard is bad. It's Cooper bad. Cup. It's, it's just bad. bad. It's not. He's a, a handsome beard. fella. There, he doesn't need this. I mean, I know he comes from. I'm very familiar with Eastern Washington and how it is a much <laughs> different place than Western Washington. But he does not need that beard i just think that there are like no i, I wouldn't take justin jefferson that. folks if you were going to wild card number one maybe do justin yeah. jefferson jamar chase i yes i mean to me jamar chase and justin jefferson i probably it's so hard to say cooper cup's not the number one receiver yeah but, sure i mean jamar chase i think uh, is already like he, i i thought he was going to be a legendary nfl player yeah like to already put that on film in year one i mean you might be looking at one like an era defining player in Jamar sure. Chase and Justin Jefferson too. Like he doesn't have quite the raw physical skill of Jamar, but Justin Jefferson going, Justin Jefferson's going into the system that just made Cooper Cup a 1900 yard receiver. Great. He's clearly better than Cooper Cup from a physical, yeah. maybe not a route running perspective. I don't know if anything's gifts, better than yeah, yeah. Cooper Cup from a physical gifts though. Justin Jefferson yeah. in the He's... Cooper Cup system. The guy like Chad also asked, can you slam dunk a running back coming off that workload when the entire offense is now different around Taylor? Yeah, because he's so young. That's just yeah. the name of the game. He's and so good. And the passing he's... game, yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully he's 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 not he's getting a little less wear and tear because like the passing game is going to actually threaten defenses, maybe. That's at least the plan. Um with there's a pretty big difference still, even between elderly Matt Ryan. And Carson Wentz, like that should relieve some of the pressure, yeah. hopefully, on Jonathan Taylor. And you know, as long as Quinton Nelson is a thing, I want Jonathan Taylor on my it's, football it's team. Pretty much. And on uh, fantasy and Madden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, when I do my dynasty drafts, which I do an awful lot of in Madden when I get bored with that. Uh, I knew, I knew that's why I slipped that in there because yeah. I knew you were, I knew you were doing that. And speaking of dynasty drafts, Let's say you have the first pick in one and you can have any dang rookie from this class. And I will be honest with you as someone who's covered college football for a long time. This is not the most exciting dynasty rookie draft of all time, um, especially when the quarterbacks are poo poo. But there are some interesting players. If you had that first overall pick, who are you taking in your dynasty draft? I was saying Traylon Burks like all spring because I loved Traylon Burks. And he's massive. Traylon Burks or Jamison Williams, because this dynasty, I, you know, you have to, it's, it's as difficult as it is, you can't worry too much about the first year. Sure. Football coming in, the, the ACL is a genuine, even long term concern for Jamison Williams, because there's this perception you know, like torn ACLs like don't matter anymore, but they still very much do. They very much do. Um, very, very, because it was not, though, like you said, an amazing class. And no. I, I think the two most physically intriguing players. All were Traylon Burks and Jamison. They were the two people I was most in love with in the pre-draft process. Like they got that draft capital um, to like really make you in real life draft. Uh, the, by far the biggest mistake dynasty league football players make is ignoring real life draft capital. Yes. Like always talking themselves in like, oh, the role's unbeatable for James <laughs> Cook uh, on the Bills. So it's going to ignore Like I, you know, just ignoring someone like Jahan Dotson, you know, was the 16th overall pick and like letting him fall like the second round or something. Yes. It's by far the biggest mistake people make in dynasty rookie drafts. Running back. I'll just ask you, Kenneth Walker or Brees Hall? Kenneth Walker. I mean, I like both. The thing is though, thankfully it's an, it is like a legit genuine either or I don't feel like, I feel like they're both pretty good, like four to five year prospect. Like could be really important parts of your dynasty teams for four to five years. Like, I both think they're real deal, like NFL lead runners. I just liked Kenneth Walker like a little more. I, I don't know. I mean, the situations are not great. Um, no. no. No offense. Chris. No, not, not taken. I am somebody who is – I literally went to a therapist and said, can you convince me that they took Walker in the third round instead of the second round <laughs> so I could be more okay with this draft pick? No, I didn't actually do that, yeah. but uh, if I, if I could afford it. I, should, I really should have. And then I'll ask you one more thing because we have to talk about quarterbacks. Do you think it's justifiable to draft Malik Willis over Kenny Pickett in a dynasty league? No, I don't. Because 
feel like the NFL front offices have actually been pretty good at the quarterback evaluation the past they few have. years. It seems like maybe they're hitting more than they used to. Like the sophisticated, like opaque processes are actually kind of like starting to pay off. I don't necessarily know what they're doing, sure. like how, how they knew that Josh Allen was going to break the mold, uh, but they did. And the, it's really hard to ignore that real-life draft capital from Malik. Yeah. Especially when paired with, you know, the system he's coming from. And there, there's just like a lot of like red flags there. I will players. say this. I, I hope we get to see – a Malik Willis, Derek Henley, Henry red zone backfield, because I think it could be a ton of fun between those two guys. And I also um, do hope that we just get to see a Malik Willis like chance because the, the, the upside definitely still exists. Just like the downside is like very real, but, but the upside though is it's not like the upside doesn't exist. So I do hope Malik Willis at some point does get a chance. What's Missouri's record next year? I don't know, man. Like, like everything's on the up and up, except for all of a sudden, like we can't find a quarterback to save our lives. Hey, you, you know? guys got some good news this week with Sam Horn not being drafted. The, the four-star quarterback going to go over there. I know our buddy Ryan Boyer was excited that he was not uh, selected in the MLB draft, so he'll get a chance to be another disappointing Missouri quarterback. Yeah, hey, you know what? They have actually some of them have disappointed relative to expectations. Yeah, that's fair. That's but, uh, fair. It's yeah. just fun to make fun of the teams you Mizzou, like. Mizzou, just like I don't, I'm getting weird vibes from Mizzou. Yeah. Like Elia is like a bit of a used car salesman. I sort of feel like, um, but he's recruiting like no one ever has. But it's, it's it just seems like stuck. Like he he seems like kind of a short termer in his solutions. But also, like I think, kind of like the very nature of current college football is you have to be short. Like you can't think beyond this season, basically. That's a good point. Um, the NIL you know and transfer situations, like you basically have to think year to year almost. Like, and I, maybe I'm just like start trying to get used to that and projecting that onto my coach. You sure? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, Pat. It doesn't matter because Vanderbilt's going to become the best program in the country. You heard there Clark Lane say it. I've I don't know if I've ever laughed more at a headline in my entire life than somebody saying that Vanderbilt is going to become the greatest college football team of all time. And by the way, Notre Dame's winning the championship. It's finally time. And it's you not. think it's finally time? I, nope. I, <laughs> it might be in a couple of years. What is the new coach's name? I like the cut of his jib a lot more than Brian Marcus Kelly. Freeman. And the recruiting has been great. A few. I know he's maybe a year too early to like be a yeah. head coach or whatever, yeah. but. I will say I was not impressed with the adjustments made in that Fiesta Bowl, but I will also say that I hadn't heard of several of the players that were playing in that game because of what was happening. Yeah, if you, if you think the, if the MLB All-Star game is an exhibition problem, <laughs> yeah, the Fiesta Bowl is kind of going up on that list too. Oh, boy. it's You know, and I don't – I ultimately don't care, but I will say this. It's much more difficult to watch these bowl games now because you just don't – I mean, you're seeing guys that um, – it's not like you're getting a glimpse into the future. A lot of times what you're getting a glimpse at is guys who just didn't play all year and are, are exhausting and their eligibility. Why don't they use the rule like where you can play the red shirts in the game and not burn their shirt? That would be an amazing hundred percent because that makes too much sense. And the yes. NCAA is the dumbest organization in the entire world. Roto Patrick, thank you so much for doing this. Please tell everybody where they can follow you, all the good stuff that you guys are doing, yada, yada, yada. Well, I'm on R-O-T-O Pat on the, the Twitter machine, the Roto Twitter Pat, machine. which I hate. I still just hate saying my username. I just think it sounds so corny. Oh, it's but, good. But it's like memorable. It. It's only seven characters. I have to have this like ungainly Irish name of Patrick Darty. It's too many characters <laughs> uh, for the Twitter username. But uh, on the, the Twitter machines, NBC Sports Edge, powered by Roto World. And I've got my GM rankings up. That was the thing I did recently. Gonna have some updated ranking, this regular rankings coming out. We got our team preview series going. We have our a podcast divisional preview series going that I'm doing with Denny Carter and Patrick Crane. Nice. We're talking to two beat writers every Monday. That's been really great. So yeah, a lot of good stuff cooking. And you know, training camp starts next week. So uh, for better or worse, football is gonna be back. Football and, uh, is Bad. It's going to be wild times at the NFL section at NBC Sports Edge. I am excited to follow your work. I have never been less excited for a Seattle Seahawks season. I know. It is Wait, aren't you kind of, Is there any oh. part of you that's like, uh, it, be honest with me, like deep down, like, what if Pete's right? Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there will be, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind. You have covered this team 
you know that there has never been a normal Seattle Seahawks football. No, no. By the way, I'm not going to, I'm the one who created that meme, by the way. Um, I created, I was the one that created the Seahawks cannot do anything normally. meme. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, Wow. They don't ever do anything normally. They don't. They they are the most unnormal thing. I'll ask you real quick before we go, where's John Schneider in that GM rankings? He was 23rd and man, are them fans mad. Uh, for years and years and years, people were mad for the opposite reason that I gave him way too much benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I kind of like kept him hanging around the top 10. Yeah. And this was the first year I kind of like cut the cord and like pulled the plug. Where I'm just like, I mean, like there ha- there's been nothing positive here for like five years. And like, it's just, it's bad. It's like real bad. And like, maybe he can reinvent himself. Like, you know, legendary draft classes to begin his tenure, but it's there's just nothing to cling to here right now, and he's probably on the way out. And the I, fans were surprisingly pitchforky about it. Oh, they! I mean, we are not happy no matter what. There, if <laughs> there's true. there's no eight and nine Seattle Seahawks take or nine and eight Seattle no, Seahawks take, no. it's, it's either too high or too low, and um, deal with it. Thank you guys so much for listening to us uh, jabber on. This was a lot of fun. Again, you can follow Patrick at Roto Pat. You can follow me at Crawford underscore M I L B. Your username is much better than my username, by the way. Yeah. There's no, yeah. there's, there's, there's no such thing as a good username. There's no thing. such thing at CD Carter 13. <laughs> Tomorrow, check out a podcast that is going to preview the second half. It's going to be me, Drewbert Silva, DJ Short, Colin Henderson, and we're going to take a look at a bunch of stuff previewing the second half, and I'm going to tell you why the Seattle Mariners may lose a game at some point (laughs) in the second half of the season. Please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Please rate five stars. All of that good stuff. We really appreciate it, and we will see you next time. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.